Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Today, uh, the title of our message is You. Yeah, you. 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 Since the day that we first began our journey together uh, as a church, I have continued to confirm three things that I really do believe. Number one, you know what it is. God has a plan. Number two, he will succeed. And number three, you have a chance to participate. I didn't tell uh, Pastor JC what I was going to preach, but he stepped all over my message today. So we can take that as, as confirmation today, all right? That God has something for us to do, something new, something we need to embrace and, uh, and we will talk about that in just a moment. You know, we cannot always know what God's plan is. And often we find out that, it, that, that it's kind of difficult for us to imagine that God may allow something that we don't agree with. Have you ever had that feeling? That God is letting something go on that I don't agree with. Yeah, well, that seems to be uh, the way things work. And we understand that our vision is limited and that God's vision is unlimited. God has the advantage of seeing the end from the beginning, from the social injustices that we see to the sudden death that we experience. Life challenges us and often leaves us with more questions than answers. The only thing that we have to console and to comfort our souls, the only thing we have to help us mentally and emotionally and spiritually, the only things that we have when things are happening that we don't agree with or things are happening we don't understand or we've been disappointed or, or you know, uh, something is going, the only thing we have to comfort our souls is the Bible. I mean, think about it. There is no other comfort. and it, 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 there, there is none. If you have hope in this life only, the Bible says you will end this life most miserable. You will live a miserable life if all you have is hope in this life. The truths that, that we see in the Bible are confirmed over and over and over, story after story. You know, uh, the Bible teaches us that, that you were born with a purpose and that you have been given grace to accomplish the purpose that God has for you. However, what you do with your life is your choice. You know, we believe God is a good God. We believe he's a loving father, and we believe that he knows the best. And we know that he has, uh, sees the end from the beginning, but we don't. What we have to do is just trust in the Bible. That's the only comfort I have is God's word. I have no other hope. You know, if God's word is not true, if God's word is not real, then what hope do we have? Where do we go? The Bible teaches us that each one of us was born with a purpose, and we have the grace of God available to us to accomplish that purpose. Take, for example, the young lady named Esther. Do you remember this young lady? You can find her story in the book of Esther. And although she was an orphan from a disfavored people group living in a foreign land. Now, look at, look, look at how the deck was stacked against her. An orphan from a disfavored people group living in a foreign land. Nonetheless, she embraced her calling and saved her people from certain annihilation. It wasn't easy. It was not an easy decision for Esther. 
It was a difficult decision. It was a life and death decision. You can read about it in Esther, the fourth chapter, in verse 14. She's told that she could not just remain silent and hope that her life was going to get any better. There was something that she needed to do. There was something that, that, that she had to do. And if she didn't do it, no doubt God would raise up help from other places. But her people, her and her, they would end up paying for it. You see, as I said, it was not an easy decision for Esther. It was a life and death decision. She did not feel special, by the way. Many times when we look at people in the Bible, we think that they feel special. We think that they are endowed with some knowledge beyond our knowledge. You know, she was not auditioning to be a Bible character. She had no, no, no inclination that her story was ever going to be told. When we look back at the Word of God and read story after story, account after account, if we're not watchful, we, we, we can falsely imagine that these people, you know, had some special inclination, some special knowledge. No, they were ordinary, everyday people going through ordinary, everyday life, facing the situations that this world offers and doing their best, even though they were challenged. Nonetheless, she faced daily decisions just like me and you. Esther had no guarantee that everything was going to work okay, work out, or favor her. She had no guarantee. We read the account of her life. We read how she faced her fears. We read how she used the position God gave her. She realized that God has given me a voice. He's given me a position. He's made me the queen. I was an orphaned young lady. I, 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 my, my people, you know, the Jews in, 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 in this part of the world are not well thought of. In fact, if it is found out that I am a Jew, I will be killed. And yet, she looked and realized that despite the circumstances, despite the situations, God had given her a position. And from that position, she had an opportunity to do something for God. And all it required was that she face her fears and just do her best. Do what was right. That's all it took. And God had given her the grace to do it. You know, you, like Esther, were born with a purpose. And born with God willing to give you grace to do things that you could not do on your own, but you can do for him. What it took was Esther's willingness and her faithfulness. You face no greater challenges than did Esther, or perhaps Ruth, if one story is not enough for you. Remember Ruth? She was a barren widow of a lower-class immigrant. Now, just get real. You know, understand her position in life. A barren widow of a lower class immigrant. immigrant. Uh, she was no one. She had nothing. The only claim to fame she had is that she mattered to God. Is that God had included her in his plan. He had a part for her to play. It might have seemed to her like a very small part. It was definitely insignificant on a world scale, seemingly, that God had called her to serve and support her mother-in-law, who had also been widowed, lived in a foreign land, was going back home with no inheritance, with nothing. 
You know, her mother-in-law, Naomi, told her, you can't go with me. There's no way you can go with me. You have no future. Go back home. That's all she could say. But the choice was hers. The choice belonged to Ruth as to what Ruth would do, just like the choice belongs to you as to what you will do. You know, you are not auditioning to be someone special. Ruth was not either. Ruth had no idea that we would be talking about her here today. She had no inclination that she was doing anything other than what her heart told her was right in the moment. It was a difficult moment. It was a pressured moment. It was a moment of trouble, a moment of trial, a moment of tribulation. But yet she knew that there was a right and there was a wrong. And she could not abide anything less than being faithful and willing to serve and support her mother-in-law. That was what was in her heart. She had an opportunity to take the easy way out, but she faced her fears. It, it wasn't that she wasn't afraid. Others around Ruth did not understand her, and they did not support her decision. She said, I'm going to selflessly serve my mother-in-law. Other people said no. Even her own mother-in-law, you know, even her, her, her sister-in-law, we, we, we can't understand it. They, you know, her sister-in-law went a different way. And again, there was no promise of any reward. No promise things were going to work out. No guarantee of anything. She did not expect her life to get better. She expected her life to be harder. Ruth expected as she relegated her life to, you know, I'm going to, you know, not leave you. I'm not going to stop following you, mother-in-law. Where you go, I'm going to go. And, and, and where you live, I'm going to live. And, and, and you, know, where, you know, where you die, I'm going to die. And I'm going to be buried right beside you. You know, your God's going to be my God and your people. I am, I am giving up my life. And she didn't imagine she was going to be well thought of. She didn't imagine she was going to have a future. She didn't imagine that, you know, that, that God had a plan for her. All she knew was that I have a next step I can take that's in my heart and I am convicted that I need to do what's right despite what anyone else does, despite what my family thinks, despite what my friends think, despite you know, what anyone else, even the people that I am serving, no matter how they see me, I am called to play a part in God's plan. She faced her fears and she simply did what was right. And God made her able. She was willing and she was faithful and she kept on doing it. It wasn't just one day she did it. She had committed to do it every day for the rest of her life. Made a God commitment that I'm going to please God every day for the rest of my life. And God made her able. You, just like Esther and just like Ruth, you were born with a purpose as certain that that's the one certainty that the Bible confirms over and over and over in story after story after story is that people who are in obscurity, people who don't matter to anyone else, people who, who we would never have known their name. We would not, I mean, all of a sudden we see them as Bible heroes. Why? Because they were willing and they were faithful to do what was right in the midst of difficult circumstances with no guarantee of reward, with no guarantee that anything was going to get better. In fact, they faced their fears and stepped into a difficult moment. They pushed themselves into God's plan. Just like Esther, Ruth, you were born with a purpose. 
You were born by the will of God. We cannot always know the plan of God, and we cannot always know how we fit into the big picture. But if we are willing and we are faithful, God will give us every ability we need to play our part. He will give you the grace to make every right decision, no matter what others think about you or think about the things you are doing. Esther and Ruth were not superheroes with superpowers, but they did serve a super God. Do you remember uh, Pastor J.C. mentioned David? Let's, let, 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 let's take a look at David just a moment. You know, as he said, David's uh, father and his brothers thought very little of David. You know, they sent him to the backside of the desert to tend a few sheep while they invited the prophet Samuel to their house and they had this big party, this big feast. David was not even invited to the party. While the prophet Samuel was looking around for which one of, of Jesse's sons that God wanted to anoint as king, he didn't see him among all the other sons. And he says, don't you have another son? They said, oh, not really. Oh, come on now, you've got to have one more son. Well, yeah, we do, but he's just, he's a nobody. You know, he's a nobody. He's out in the, you know, in, 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 in the field tending a few sheep. I mean, we're the important ones here. He wasn't even invited to the party. However, God had given David a part to play in God's plan. God saw David's heart, and God made David able to do things beyond anyone's imagination. While he was out there, he killed a bear and he killed a lion, protecting those few sheep. David was not perfect. But one of the things God said about David is that he is a man after my own heart. What does that mean? That means exactly what David showed us. David showed us some very critical things about the heart of God. You know, David showed us how to lift his hands and how to bow his knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and not to be afraid of what others would say about you or what others would do to you. He continued to reach higher than man. To a God who loved him and enabled him not only to kill the bear and the lion, but also stand up against the Goliath. David was not perfect, but David was forgiven. The only perfect man that ever lived was Jesus Christ. And let me go on record and tell you, he is perfect. No sin, not one imperfection. Jesus was perfect and the world crucified him. What do you think they will do to you if you stand up for Jesus and do the right thing? We don't have to imagine because Jesus has already told us what people will do to someone who dares to live godly in Christ Jesus. All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You might say, well, I'm not being persecuted. Well, reckon why? Oh, come on now. That was a really zing, good zinger right there. God is uses imperfect people. They are all has. Hey, he doesn't have. Not one of you is perfect. David taught us to lift our hands and bow our knees to the one true God of heaven. And in reality, David taught us what we do after we fail. When you fall, when you sin, when you err, when you come short 
of the grace and the goodness of God. David showed us, a man after God's own heart, what you do. You repent. Then you get up and you brush yourself off and you get back in the game and you do not allow the imperfections of your past to keep you from striving toward the perfection that we see in Christ. There is a high calling of God on each one of us. Many times people get hidden behind fear. What will someone else say about me? What will someone else think about me? What will someone else do to me if I actually stand up? I mean, they know me. They know my past. They know what I've done. They know what I've said. They know what I've been. They will certainly point out some imperfection in my life that disqualifies me. I am so tired of one imperfection disqualifying people. When in the world are we going to realize that God has no perfect people? Neither does America and neither does the world. We have got to start living a life of forgiveness and understanding that we have no right to judge someone else or to call someone else out for their imperfections, to try to get the moat out of their eye while a beam is still in ours. Who is it that can cast the first stone? Why is it that we want to cancel everything that's not perfect? That is not a God culture. It is not a smart thing to do. It is a very critical and judgmental thing to do in the eyes of God. If God had a megaphone today, what do you think he would be saying? He does have a megaphone. I am it. Listen. Me and all the other preachers who are preaching from the word of God today and not from Reader's Digest. Stand up to your fears. We need to play our part in God's plan not some, what anyone else has decided that we should play. And God's plan is a good plan. He's a good and a loving God. You can bet that if you're playing the part that God wants you to play, you will be producing the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and meekness and self-control. And if that is not evident in your life, then you may not be playing the part that God has for you to play. Don't be afraid of what others are going to say. Listen, 2 Timothy, the first chapter, I told you we were going there. It's verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Listen, this is the word of the Lord today. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but rather of power, of love, and a sound mind. Before Time began. God purposed to make you a part of his plan. You were in his eye. You were in his heart. You were on his mind in Christ before time began. That's what the Bible says. That is our hope. He knew you. He knew that you would be challenged in life. He knew that you would not be perfect. He knew that you would be afraid at times. He knew at times that you would feel powerless. He knew at times that you would not agree with the things that he was allowing, but he needed you to play the part. He knew you would be confused at times about what to do. And when it came your turn, he knew you would be afraid at times to get up and swing. He knew at times that you would not be, you know, a, a feeling at your best when it came time for you to sing. He knew that you would be your most critical judge 
but he did not give you a spirit of fear. Those things that confuse us and make us afraid, those things that make us feel powerless, those things are not God. God is with you. The Bible is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And when you stray from the path, when you stray from the light, you're walking in darkness. You were born with a purpose. You have a part to play in God's plan. God has called you and given you all the grace you need. And it is your turn. And you can make a difference. It will require a step of faith, just like it did with Esther, just like it did with Ruth, and just like it did with David. It will require a step of faith, just like it did with Moses. It will require a step of faith, just like it did with Gideon. It will require a step of faith, just like it did with Samson. It will require a step of faith, just like it did with Mary, the mother of Jesus. It will require a step of faith, just like it did with the apostles, because you don't have it in yourself except God has given you the grace. He's given you a part to play. He is calling you out of obscurity. He's ready for you to stand up and do your part, and he will give you the grace. It may not be easy. It may be hard. It may be a life and death decision to you. It may end up costing you every day to decide Decide that you're going to gird up your loins and you're going to become a servant. If you want to be great, then you must become the servant of all. The greatest you can ever be for Jesus is to serve others with a faithful and a willing heart. Like Esther and Ruth and David and Moses and Gideon and Samson and Mary and all these I've mentioned, you have been given a superpower. It is called the grace of God. It comes upon you when you need it. It comes upon you when you are faithful and willing and when you are doing the will of God. It comes upon you when you're playing God's part. If you're finding yourself left with nothing but frustration, aggravation, irritation, maybe you need to get into the God game. Because there's grace in that game. There is the fruit of the Spirit in that game. There is joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's a peace that passes all understanding. There's wisdom. There's discernment in that game. What we need to supply, God will give us all the grace we need. His grace is sufficient. Even if there is a continual thorn in our flesh, His grace is sufficient. All we need to supply is the willingness and the faithfulness to stand up and let God shine through us. To let the light of the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus outshine all of the things that the enemy is trying to do in our life. God is not the one making us afraid and frustrated and irritated. That is the devil. Let me read verse 7 to you again of, 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 of Second uh, uh, Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Verse 8, therefore, therefore, for this reason, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Share with the apostle Paul, who was in, in prison at this time, writing what we understand is his last letter at the very end of his life now, 62 years old as we presume, in about the year uh, 67 AD. And he's writing to his young son Timothy in the faith and he's encouraging him to not not shrink back from the sufferings which come along with being a player in God's 
army in God's plan. Verse nine, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ before time began. Confirming the word here that God has a purpose and a grace for you and he's had it ready for you before he ever created the heavens and the earth. Yes, you. See, when it comes to lives and eternal lives, God has a hope for his children. The devil is trying to destroy our lives. The devil is trying to divide our families. The devil is trying to disrupt our communities. The devil is trying to divide our nation and bring us into chaos and disorder. That is the devil. That is not God. Do not be confused. Do not be deceived. John 10.10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. You have a part to play. Do things need to get better? Yes, always and forever. But don't be fooled. Do not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Who is pushing the buttons of division and destruction? Who is tearing down? It is not God. You might say, Pastor, what is my part in this? Let me read to you from James chapter 1. What does the Bible have to say? James 1, 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man, and might I also say woman, let every one of us be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, slow to wrath. Why? Verse 20. Because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. God does not do his work through the anger of men. I challenge you today to decide if you're going to play your part in God's plan. It may not be easy. It may be difficult. But unless and until we accept the grace of God with a willing heart, and be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Unless we decide that we will do and pursue nothing in anger that will not produce the righteousness of God, don't be deceived. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. 